Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. Banking and payments for the cannabis industry is a heavily regulated and bogged down industry. But despite it all, one company is weaving through the regulatory madness and has come up with a compliant and seamless payment service that delights both cannabis businesses and customers. Here to tell us more is Tyler Berline, CEO of Hyper. Tyler, welcome to Canna Insider. Thank you, Matt. I'm, I'm actually the chief revenue officer. I don't, I don't want to get, uh, don't want to get my head chopped off by, by the CEO of the company. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. That might be a harder, uh, harder role to be in charge of revenue. Yeah, you know, and you know, especially in this wild world we live in, right? Well, Tyler, give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? We're based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, we've we've only got a couple of of team members that work remotely, so our facilities here. Um, and we've been fortunate to have, you know, a, I would say a pretty mild experience, all things considered, um, with this. So, you know, very thankful to, to be here. And what is hyper on a high level? Yeah, you know, great question. And, and you know, if you ask people throughout the industry, they'd probably all have a different answer. And, and that's for, for good reason. Um, we're a, we started as a regulatory compliance technology company um, that was built to enable banks and credit unions the ability to serve high-risk industries. So what people fail to realize in many cases is there are industries that, you know, I'm going to say dwarf cannabis from a volume perspective that are perfectly legal, but have still been shut out of the banking industry for the most part. Um, and the reason being is because they pose a, a significant regulatory compliance burden and significant risk to any bank or credit union trying to serve them. So we were built to, to really solve that problem for banks and credit unions. So think of us as almost a, a core banking system for high risk industry. Um, and, and that we knew we had to solve the banking problem for the payment side of hyper to operate in an efficient, sustainable manner. So we're a combination of a reg tech and a FinTech in one cohesive platform um, and as we built out our foundation on the bank and credit union side, uh, the payment side of Hyper went nationwide officially about a year ago, and we've been very fortunate to have a lot of success on that front. And can you share a little bit about your background and journey and how you got into the cannabis space and became the chief revenue officer of Hyper? Yeah, uh, you know, I've kind of I've had a maybe a, an odd path, uh, but I was... Uh, uh, a professional athlete. I, I played baseball for a long time. Um, was fortunate to have a you know a, a nice little career, and uh, I went to work for a private equity company um, in an off season. that was in real estate. Um, that that company kind of took off, and I I stepped away from the game. I went through some injuries and some things like that, and then I actually started my own beverage company with uh, a group that had had a lot of success in the, in the alcoholic space. Um, and with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so we started a, a, um, a, a premium sports drink company, uh, had that for about five and a half years, lived the CPG experience on the front lines. Uh, and it was quite a learning experience, as you can imagine. Um, and then uh, as I was transitioning out of that, I met the founder of Hyper. And 
was fortunate to be with the company really uh, day one. <laughs> and so um, I've been with the company for over six years now and um, been on the front lines of this industry in a very unique way. Um, and so, you know, I've been able to not only be in front of most operators and licensees throughout the country and get to know them very well, um, been working closely with every bank and credit union, uh, or most, I should say, that are serving this space. That's led to very deep relationships on the regulatory uh, side of the fence, both at the state and federal level, um, and, and, you know, also at the state government level uh, as well. So um, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride, but um, a, a, a great one. Okay. Could you briefly just kind of give us some background on your, your baseball career? Yeah, so I, I um, went to college and, and was drafted. I went, I went in the seventh round in 2001 of the New York Mets, um, and I came up through the system uh, with them and, and uh, yeah, just had a, a great experience there and, you know, will always cherish uh, that time of life. Yeah, that, those New York fans can be great but also tough. Did you get a lot of uh, lip service from the crowd uh, at all? Oh yeah, uh, they let you, know, you know when they're not happy, right? Yeah, you you learn quickly at a young age to just have a thick skin and try and focus on the things you can control and and not let those things affect you. So, you know, it's it's a it's actually a great learning experience to be used down the road. You know, because again, you understand quickly that you can only control the things that are in your power, um, and you have to just drown the rest out. Yeah. Also, I mean having a batting average, you know, what's, what's considered a great batting average in professional baseball? Uh, you know, probably in the 300 range, I think is, is you, you're, you're hitting well if you're in that range. So that's like 30% of the time you make it on base. Is that what that's, that's what that means, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a game of failure for sure. So, and it's, it's also a game, uh, you know, I, I want to say we played somewhere in the 100, 165, 170 games, you know, in a matter of under 200 days. So um, again, you learn to shrug things off quickly, regroup and, and go again. And, and that's kind of a metaphor for life, right? So. Yeah. Um, well, Tyler, you know, a lot of people that are listening have some sense of the difficulties and obstacles in the payment side of the cannabis space, but not everybody. So could you kind of frame and give a snapshot of what makes payments challenging in the cannabis space and where we are today? Yeah, you know, Matt, most don't. And even, you know, I deal with very large, sophisticated operators, and it, it never ceases to amaze me how short-sighted the approach is and where that where they end up as a result of it. So in, in the state legal cannabis industry, the branded card networks are opposed until, uh, to, to have any cannabis transactions running on their networks until federal legality. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in the industry talk about how they think the SAFE Act is bringing Visa MasterCard to the table. It does not change the federal legal status of the product. Therefore, they will not participate even if the SAFE Act passes. So that's one thing. Two, we've seen recently... Uh, operators go to market with things like cashless or reverse ATMs. Um, those are also prohibited. And it's gone even a step further where technology providers in the space uh, have formed partnerships with companies that are pushing those products and they've raised money for their businesses based on revenues coming from transaction volume. The, the, the problem with it is 
you're dealing with fraudulent transactions again, and uh, it's just a matter of time before those things get shut down in mass. Um, in fact, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a significant shutdown here again soon of those products. And so everybody in the industry has been very stubborn about offering a card-based product to their member base. Um, and that's, that's landed folks in hot water um, time after time. Um, and it, it not only has an effect on the consumer, it has an effect on the banker credit union trying to bank them potentially. And in the case of the deliverer provider in, in California, you've now got the Department of Justice involved in an investigation because they were offering credit card products to the member base. And to do so, you'd have to defraud a bank um, or credit union. And so, you know, I, I, I caution people constantly on doing things right and understanding that every decision they make in this space that's non-compliant is going to have a price and it's going to be steep. Um, and unfortunately, people just, you know, they keep making the same mistakes. Yeah, I've definitely seen the uh, ATM type solution and dispensaries and so forth that you're talking about. And it is complex. I mean, some people know that they're breaking the rules, others don't. And then others kind of feel like they're damned not to have a simple or elegant solution if they don't take up kind of one of these gray area payment solutions. And I think that's why you're taking off. And I've heard Hyper's name come up so much recently as kind of a solution. But just so we're clear for everybody, credit card, debit cards, not allowed. Um, ATM um, solutions and dispensary, not allowed. So none of those things are allowed. Now, now physical ATMs are allowed. Physical ATMs, but I'm saying- physical like, ATM, But a, but a on-counter reverse or cashless ATM is not yeah. permissible. And, and furthermore, one of the things that's happening with physical ATMs is regulatory bodies are very concerned about money being laundered through those physical ATMs. Mm -hmm. And so in many cases, they're requiring that operators in the space use a third-party provider that owns and operates and stocks the cash. Um, and so that's another thing that's, that's been, uh, you know, a bit of a pain point for the industry. Okay. So, but there, but there is hope here. There, there's a way that hyper works that can kind of simply solve this problem, but it just doesn't involve credit cards, uh, debit cards, or this kind of Correct. reverse ATM functionality. So Correct. let's, let's walk through a scenario on, on how it, how an order works with hyper, let's just say I'm a retailer in California and um, I want to, I want to offer, you know, the most simple uh, electronic payment solution possible. And I come to you, uh, what are you going to tell me? Yeah, we've gone to great lengths uh, to, to make that process as, as seamless as humanly possible. Um, and candidly, we've learned over the years as well uh, on, on ways to streamline it. We've taken a lot of input from the industry. So from a, from a consumer perspective, you know, consumers expect an Amazon type experience, right? And, and they, they want to know that if they run a transaction, it's going to be reliable, it's going to be sustainable, it's going to happen the way they expect. And so in, in California right now, um, we've got some very wonderful partners, uh, Kaliva being one of them. And so if you go onto Kaliva's website as a consumer, first you would want to download our app. Um, so you, you can go on the Apple or Google Play Store, download our app, set up a quick profile. Um, I've seen people do it in less than a minute. Um, during that process, you would link your bank account, uh, which is ultra simplistic. You just sign in with your, your username and password for whatever institution you're using, and then you choose a four-digit code that only you know. 
Once you've done that once, when you go onto a site like, let's say, go Caliva to, to place your order, you choose Hyper as the form of payment. When the delivery driver comes out to deliver the product, uh, they click on your name in their, in, in their interface. A secure link is sent to your cell phone right there at the point of interaction. You're prompted to enter your four-digit code on your cell phone so you don't have to touch the driver's device. That finalizes the transaction. Our bank and credit union clients that openly bank the state legal cannabis industry and have built out the regulatory compliance programs to do so, move the money from the consumer's account directly into the merchant's. Uh, and so it's, it's ultra simplistic, um, not only from an interaction standpoint, but also from a functionality perspective. Um, there's a massive amount of compliance that has to take place uh, behind the scenes, uh, but from a, a user uh, perspective, it, it's, it's very seamless. Okay, and how long does it take for that transaction to settle? It, it probably goes into like a paying status daily? Yeah, daily. Uh, many of our clients have shifted the same day ACH. Uh, and so, uh, again, we've shortened that settlement time significantly, uh, even over the last year. Okay. And you know what I, I put on my business owner hat here and I go, Hey, I, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to make a delivery, um, to somebody's house. What if they don't have, what if they have partial funds or not enough funds? How, how do I know that they have enough funds to pay for this before I go out? We verify funds on three separate occasions. So we verify funds the second the consumer places the order. We verify funds again the second the delivery driver leaves. And so we know that that consumer has funds available um, at the point of interaction. And, and the transaction would be declined in a situation where they didn't, but um, we don't run into that, uh, obviously, because of the, the additional verification. Okay. So th- it's fair to say this is very much like a Venmo or Cash App for highly regulated industry. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. And if, if a consumer does get denied, are they, do they get, do you tell them like, hey, you have insufficient funds or do they get a reason so they know? They do. They get a reason. Um, and then, you know, again, for, for consumer ease of use and, and to benefit the retailer, when a consumer runs a transaction, they receive a text message with a copy of the receipt and the ability to leave a tip, just like, just like an experience with like an Uber. Um, and so they can leave a tip right there on the spot for the driver, which is nice for everybody. So again, getting cash out of the system, streamlining the process and, and providing a really sustainable, compliant means of payment. Now, is there anything you have to do in terms of language or psychology to help the end customer feel comfortable with the process that they're going through? Because they're saying, hey, I'm putting my banking credentials in here. Is this high risk? How do I know hyper's legit? What, what do you say there? Yeah, I think, I think we encountered that more at the beginning, right? Because the industry didn't necessarily know who we were. But I think the more that we've tried to educate the community, and, and again, our clients are banks and credit unions. So from a security perspective, our security protocols and the audits we have to go through on a yearly basis are far in excess of what a normal payment company would go through, right? That's one. Two, we fall into the privacy policy of those banks and credit unions. So the, the consumer's information is never shared. Um, and so those, those things are, are things that we try and communicate to the, the um, cannabis community. But I would hope that at this point, our reputation is such that people know that, they feel comfortable. And I think that's been evident by the, the signups uh, that we see um, occurring you know, throughout the industry. Okay. And, and compared to a credit card, say, for example, that's usually like a three-day settlement process. Is that right? Or do I have that? Correct. 
Yep. Okay. So they're getting faster cash flow yep. um, with Hyper than a, a credit card. So that's good. Yep. Yeah. And, and that, that will continue to speed up uh, as more of our clients adopt same day ACH. And I'm, I'm trying to understand where, you know, it, sometimes an end user might contest a charge or say it's the wrong amount or entirely fraudulent. I would imagine much less so since there's so much uh, in the setup process here, but do you have any stats on how that compares to say a credit card? Uh, it's it's not even close to being comparable. And, and there are a number of reasons for that. One, the consumer is identified through the process um, on multiple occasions. Again, we've got access directly to uh, available balances, and then they've got to authenticate the transaction at the point of interaction. So the ability, you know, the the chances that something would be fraudulent on our platform is is virtually impossible for those reasons. Um, and then from a, a dispute standpoint, I mean, it, it's rare, if ever, that we see it. And typically, it's a quick uh, fix between the merchant and the consumer. So at the end of the day, we're just there to move the money in a compliant um, uh, sustainable and convenient manner. So how does hyper make money here? I mean, you have to keep the lights on, you, you know, you, if you're doing a good job, everybody wants you to make money, but how do you strike the right balance of, you know, profitability and then your the cannabis retailers profitability? How does that work? Yeah. So, uh, hyper is, is compensated a number of ways. So again, you got to remember our clients are banks and credit unions and they use our technology to bank the industry. So that's a revenue stream. Um, and then from a, 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 a the payment perspective, think of us as a network like Visa MasterCard for high-risk industry. So we charge a per transaction fee to the merchant. Um, and so those are the ways that we generate revenue in the industry. So, uh, you know, that's, that's our business model. Is, and as the payment network expands, obviously, that can be a very lucrative endeavor. And can you give us a range in terms of, you know, what your percentage is, is for retail cannabis companies? Uh, typically 3% per transaction is, is where we land, somewhere in that range. So, so much, very much in line with traditional mainstream uh, fees for transactions. Okay. And so we've given an example here about, you know, a cannabis retailer doing a delivery to an end user, but there's a lot of B2B uh, cannabis companies that would love not to have huge truckloads of cash and so forth. Is that an option? Let's say I'm a wholesaler or a grower and I want to sell to a retailer. Can, can I use hyper? Yeah, it is. And that's a great question. So, so a couple of things there. One, you know, I think the days of truckloads of cash are behind us. Um, in fact, I would argue that if somebody in this industry is not banked at this point with an institution that knows what they're doing, they're probably doing that by choice or they don't want to be transparent. But also uh, we built out a full business to business product and we actually modified our pricing recently to be, I'm going to say right in line with mainstream ACH processing. So any distributor, any wholesaler, any wholesale platform can use hyper to facilitate transactions between two parties. And that's live today. So um, since we modified our pricing uh, to be, you know, more in line with mainstream, we've seen huge interest. Um, and I, I think you'll start to see the infrastructure of this industry start to shift to hyper for those B2B payments. Yeah. And so 
let's say I'm a cannabis retailer. I've been trying a bunch of different ways. Maybe I tried some credit cards in the past and different things and everything just keeps on getting shut down. I'm frustrated. I want to do it right. You know, I turn to hyper and I say like, help me with this. Do you have any kind of uh, marketing or any kind of support to help uh, a retailer inform their customers about here we are with hyper and this is how to use it and to get them kind of, you know, comfortable with it. Yeah. We're very aggressive on that side of the fence. And, and we have, we have a full marketing team in house that supports our merchants with really anything they want to do from a marketing perspective um, within reason. And we never want to be the type of company that drops something in a building and walks away. That's not our model. We're not successful unless our partners are successful. So we're there to hold their hand and, and really, um, we've done some really, really creative things with retailers across the country that have been very successful. So we also can provide input on what we've seen work in specific markets, depending on the demographic. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something we we really view this as a true partnership with our retail clients. Okay. And so how do you make sure that the end users and bail during the sign-up process. Do you just have them put in like the bare minimum to get started on an order, and then um, they have to provide more when it gets closer to the transaction being complete? Or how does that work? No, it's it's a really it's a it's a pretty seamless sign-up process already, um, and we can actually see internally where consumers are if they drop off, and so our customer service team will reach out to them if they have dropped off during that process, but. At this point, um, we don't see much of it at all. Um, if, if, you know, consumers want a reliable, sustainable means of transaction that's convenient. And um, my hope is that the industry finally realizes that one, it's here. Um, it's taken a long time for us to get to this point because we did it right. Um, and, and, you know, they're starting to really trust in that process. Um, and, and obviously covid you know, fueled, I'm going to say COVID sped that up a good six months to a year, really industry-wide because the industry had to shift to a, a mobile uh, or curbside uh, pickup model. And, and that's where we thrive. So, you know, all those things have been a big benefit. Okay. And so if, if a cannabis retailer has their, they have their point of sale software in the the dispensary and then they maybe have crafted a delivery app. Is there, is integration, how does that work? Is it like there is an API or some documentation that shows how to integrate it into your app? Do you kind of have a ready-made solution? Do you, what do you suggest or what are the, what are the available options? Yeah, we do. We, um, we, we've been fortunate to integrate with most of the major providers at at this point, uh, not only from a point of sale perspective, but also delivery. So, on the delivery side, you know, the, the two dominant players in the space seem to be Jane and Dutchie. Um, and we're fully integrated with both of those providers. Uh, but our entire dev team is in-house. Um, we have APIs built out for everything. So from an integration perspective, um, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really up to that provider of how quickly they want to get it done. Um, uh, but it, it's, it's not a heavy lift at, at all at this point. Um, so we've really tried hard to make that process um, seamless. So you work with a spectrum of retailers and cannabis businesses. You, you see some that execute well, I'm sure, and some that just don't execute that well. Is there any kind of suggestions you would give to a cannabis business to really jump in with both feet and start accepting electric payments and just 
you know, run their business well with this? I mean, cause you're seeing so many, some execute, some don't, what, what are the ones that do execute? What do they have in common? The ones that execute it right, understand payments through and through. They have sophisticated people in the building that understand that if they keep launching shoddy payment products, they're going to lose the consumer base that's going to be their long-term consumer because they're not going to, they're not going to sit around for a payment product that keeps going under. Um, they're going to find something sustainable. So um, my advice to the industry is get people in your building that really understand this or get to people in the industry that, that, that understand it through and through and can point you in the right direction. Uh, and again, um, I, it, it never ceases to amaze me the short sightedness when it comes to banking and payments in this space. You know, I feel like over the last six and a half years, I've seen just about everything. But, you know, again, I, you know, I, I, see, I see operators like Kaliva in, in California that do it right, that get it, that understand it. And then I see multi-state operators that are at the pinnacle of their game and very highly regarded in the industry that have no clue what they're doing, to be candid. Um, and it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And I noticed this kind of variability in execution on a lot of different fronts, not just payment, marketing, packaging, and on and on and on. And I think it's difficult sometimes because you have this internal team and they, they don't even really know what to compare themselves with because they don't know what their competitors doing, how fast they iterate, how their mindsets may be more aggressive and so on and so forth. So I mean, that's, that's good to hear that feedback. Well, and, and, and here's another thing too, and, and not to get off on another subject, but it's, it's, I think it's going to be the next pain point for the industry, candidly. To that point, you can't compare the cannabis industry to anything else. And if you haven't been in the cannabis industry for a long period of time and learn these lessons, you're going to fail. So with all due respect to the people that come from CPG or they have retail backgrounds or they come from the investment banking side and they get into the C-suite of a large operator and they make decisions based on what they think is right based on their background, it doesn't translate. And, and that's part of the problem. And, and my, my fear is as some of these multi-state operators fail, which inevitably they're going to, it's going to continue, and new leadership is appointed these VC firms that are pointing that leadership are going to put people in that don't get the industry and it's going to take them 12, 18, 24 months before they really learn it and can really truly understand it. And by that point, it's too late. They've already failed. And so, um, again, I know that's, that's getting to a different shifting gears and getting to a different point, but um, it's, it's kind of a metaphor for everything that's happened in this industry. Is there any kind of, consulting firm that kind of acts as an outsource partner to manage the whole payment functionality for cannabis businesses? Because, you know, a lot of them don't have this as a strong suit as we're talking about. There's no one in the building, as you say, that is good at this. Is there, do you work with any consultants or anybody that helped, you know, make this possible? You know, I would say, I would say there are legal firms that get it, that understand it, they can advise, but even then, you know, in some case, that's, that's few and far between. So you really have to know who to go to in this space. It's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, I, it, you know, I say these things and I understand why merchants 
make short-sighted decisions because they just don't know better and they're, and they're being fed a line by somebody who's got a vested interest in them using their product. But, you know, we call it whack-a-mole in the building. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm literally, I spent the last couple months watching a massive wave um, come into the industry and it's about to end really badly for people and they just don't get it and they won't until it happens, unfortunately. Well, just expand on that a little bit more and what you mean by that. Oh, I'm talking about reverse ATM and cashless ATM products. Okay. Um, they've spread quickly throughout the industry and people are being told that they're permissible and sustainable and they're just not. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, not only for the retailers that have launched those products, but for the investors that have invested in companies based on added revenue uh, to their balance sheets from those products. Okay. So when you look ahead the next, you know, few years in the payment space in the cannabis industry, at least in North America, how do you think it's evolving? Where is it? Where's the puck going? You know, I think it's, it's, I I think it's going to be more of the same for the foreseeable future. I think you're going to see companies like ours innovate. Um, We're about to do a couple things that are going to have a big impact on the industry. Um, But Look, eventually, um, upon federal legality, the branded card networks will come to the table. They will participate in the industry. And so I think, um, I think those that can make the right decisions, find the right partners, do things right, um, and not you know, shoot themselves in the foot for later, um, I think those are going to be the ones that really thrive. Um, and I think that you know, for us, I mean, again, we're building a network for high-risk industry. Cannabis is not going to be the only industry we go after, but we understand the branded card networks are coming and we're building our network uh, for that. Um, so we'll be ready uh, when that day comes and it will be a huge win for our, uh, our clients. And, and, you know, but again, I, you know, in the foreseeable future, it's going to be more of the same. Okay. Well, Tyler, I want to ask you a few personal development questions, but because of your background, I'm going to change them up a little bit here. You mentioned you were in the beverage space and, you know, a lot of people are talking about cannabis beverages being, you know, a big thing and cannibalizing some of the alcohol industry from, from where you sit and have your background in the beverage industry. Do you think that's coming? If so, when, and what would that look like? Yeah, I think, I think it's coming in a way, but, but the, the part that people, I think, miss a little bit about the beverage industry especially the non-alcoholic side is it's it's a it's a brutal world um and it's extremely difficult um to get into shelf space and and you know every time you walk into a convenience store you got to understand that those shelves are owned by many of those big companies and those distributors and if you don't have relationships there you're not going to get in right so it's not as easy as just launching a product and hoping it takes off and i think for the cannabis space, it's going to take federal legality, obviously. And for the foreseeable future, it's still going to be based on distribution and licensed operating retail shops. So these beverage brands are going to have to sign the right licensing deals in the right markets. They're going to have to take the right market share, build up enough of a following to where, you know, when that wall falls, they're prime for takeover by one of the big distributors that can feed them into their network. Um, and, and so I think, you know, I think in, in t- I don't think I know in today's world, it's all about 
the licensing agreements you can do as a brand, what operators you're with and which markets, which markets you can dominate. And, you know, it's just going to have to be state by state expansion until again, that wall falls. In having a background in professional sports, which is pretty rare, what what have you taken away from your professional sports career and integrated into your life that you see like, hey, other people just don't do this who don't have this kind of, uh, you know, high level sports mentality and you maybe consider it a superpower or at least an understanding that most people don't have? Gosh, I, you know, so much. Um One, you know, just uh, cherish the time that I've I've been able to have with you know, teammates over the years and the friendships that have come from it. But I think, I think being in the sports world, you know, I, I was talking to my best friend played in NFL for a long time. And, and we were talking about, you know, I remember living with every, with people from different backgrounds. I mean, there, there were people I lived with that didn't even speak English at some point. And, and I think one of the biggest takeaways is you find a way to find common ground with everybody. And you find a way to create a family atmosphere with people that, you know, you, you don't necessarily know well. Um, so I think, I think that's one big takeaway that's really helped me in my life. And I think also, I think when you're around different people every single day and you're in different environments every single day, you, you learn to listen to your gut. Um, and and it's, it's not something that's easily explainable, I don't think. And it's not something that's quantifiable, but it's, it's always there. And I think at a young age for me to learn, to really listen to that, it's, it's helped, it's helped me in every aspect of life. So, uh, you know, again, you, you know, if I had to interview every teammate and ask them that question, they probably all have a different answer, but those are the two biggest takeaways I think for me. Thanks for that, Tyler. Now, Tyler, as we close, how can cannabis businesses that are interested in, you know, working with Hyper, how can they reach out to you and talk about payment solution and connect with you? You know, I think most everybody in this industry probably has my phone number at this point, good or bad. So uh, you should be very easily, easy to get a hold of, but um, they can, they can reach out through our website, hyper.com, H-Y-P-U-R.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a private message, but look, we're, we're here to help. And I mean that, um, even if somebody, you know, decided that they want to go a different path, at least they'll have all the information. Um, if they give us a call and, and on top of that, one thing we've done for the industry, you know, for over six years now is anytime somebody is in need of a transparent banking relationship, we will always pair them with the appropriate banker credit union based on where they're located, type of operator, what their needs are. And, and we don't ask for anything in return. We believe in doing that for the industry. And, and so um, uh, please use us. You know, we've learned a lot of these lessons the hard way. And if I can help somebody avoid a landmine in this industry, you know, we're happy to do it. And Tyler, would you mind spelling your first name and last name in case anybody does want to reach out to you on LinkedIn? Sure. Um, first name is Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R. Uh, last name is pronounced Berline, a little more difficult to spell. So it's B as in boy, E-U-E-R-L-E-I-N. Um, and again, that's pronounced Berline. And hyper is H-Y-P-U-R. Correct. 
Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. And I know everybody that's listening appreciates to have having a simple solution when they make an order. So that's that's really welcome. And good luck with everything you're doing. You're growing fast. Hopefully you'll come back on the show in a little while and tell us how things are going. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate the time and um, you know, keep keep doing a great job. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at canninsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at canninsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canna Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.